whenever we gather together, we fulfill the will of God. We fulfill the will of God. And it's, it's exciting to fulfill what God desires. It's exciting to fulfill <clears throat> what God said we could do. Who we could be. I, I'm just really overwhelmed this morning with some thoughts that I read out of this world. And that is, I'm going to say some things this morning, and I know Pastor David says, yeah, you always do that. But there's something stirring inside of me that is <clears throat> beyond looking at just sickness. We are contenders for truth. We're not here to contend for my belief system. We're not here to contend for what we think. We're here to contend with what God said. We're here to contend for what God said. <clears throat> and this thought went through my mind this week. Live a life, live a life that is intolerant. Live a life that is intolerant. The cross expresses the total intolerance that God had against the devil and sin. And he would not tolerate anything that went beyond what he said. He wouldn't tolerate it. We must become like that. Not in a legalistic sense, but in a love relationship with our Father and a love relationship with the Holy Spirit that actually enables us to live a life of intolerance. I think we tolerate too many things. When we tolerate, what you tolerate, you will live with. So if we want to tolerate an indifference to the word, you will live that way. But if we live with an intolerance of anything that is opposite to what God said, we live in victory. We don't live in defeat. Um, it's kind of reminded me of this. In my life, I had a whole plan of what a church should look like. But God didn't think much of it. Because for three years, I tried to make it work, and he allowed me to fail. Until I came to the end of myself and ended up in the hospital twice in one year, and God said to me, Nelson, if you want to build a church and get people to follow you, you take care of them. And that's why I was there, trying to take care of 35 people who all had problems. And I thought to myself, wow, I wonder what that means. And God will say things to us that we don't understand. But it initiates what he wants. And so 
it's like, wow. I, th I thought I had it all figured out. But as I stand here today, as I stand here today, God, God enabled this church to walk in the prophetic word that went over this house. That's why we have this facility. See, what God said, he actually will do. God's plan will happen. Whether we had money or not, it didn't matter. Whether we had the ability or not, didn't matter. What really mattered is what the prophet said. That's what really mattered. Because from, apart from that, we are left to our own imaginations what it should actually look like. But God has a picture that's greater than we could ever have. And his picture, I'm going to read some scripture verse that actually gives us a picture from God's point of view. He has a picture that is infallible, conquering, living, growing, developing, functioning. And, you know, we went through the whole idea of equipping saints. And, I'm, you know, when I look at that today, that really doesn't mean much to me anymore. I'll tell you why. Because just focusing on being a disciple in performance doesn't cut it. What cuts it is being a disciple in following Jesus. And believing what he did and what he said becomes part of who we are. The father had Jude write a book. And he said to the saints, contend for the faith. You know what a contender is? I remember my brother and I, he's one year younger than I am, and dad loved boxing, so he bought us boxing gloves. And, and I remember this picture of Eli and I on top of the barn, on the roof. Boxing. I don't know where that picture went, but I really feel sorry I lost it. But we were contending to see who was the best. I was faster, but he was stronger. His punch hurt. I could land mine more than his, but... So I could have won by points, I suppose. He could have won by a knockout. But we contended... Contended means that I am joining this fight to win. Nobody joins anything and says, you know what, I, I want to lose. God is not a loser. The God we serve is a God of victory. And he's looking for us to say, God, here am I. Okay, so let, let me read you a scripture. Because I think we're living in a time, and this, this scripture verse kind of really reveals a lot of things. In Hebrews chapter 12, <clears throat> I want to show you 
what we are translated into when we got saved. But you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just man made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator, and of the new covenant, and the blood of the uh, and the blood of sprinkling that sprinkleth better things than that of Abel. See that you not see that you do not refuse to hear him. I think it's important that I dare to begin to hear God. You can't have victory without hearing God. You can't muster up victory unless he does it. Whose voice then shook the earth. This is, this is the part that really impacted me. Then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifies the removing of things that are shaken as of the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken will remain. When we live a life where things are not the way they should be and things are kind of shaken, what's God doing? He's removing things that need to be removed so what remains actually becomes our actuality of life. Jesus said these words. If you want to be my disciple, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. See, to follow is to deny. To deny is to follow. When we deny and follow or follow and deny... We walk, into the th- we walk into the things of the kingdom that become reality in this life and not just a theology. Right. Hallelujah. It's, it's, it's very challenging. And I remember being so hungry for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Great preachers laid their hand on me, and nothing happened. I see other young men and other people just getting blessed by the, nothing for me. But I contended. I contended. I never gave up contending for what the Bible says. And one day in my living room, 
The Holy Ghost came upon me. I got home from work. I had supper. I sat down in my big chair to relax, and boom! And I've never been the same since. You see, you have to contend. Just because it's not happening today doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So what happened after that? There was a whole lot of shaking going on. Because God had to shake out of my mind what I thought so I could accept what he thought. I had to, he had to deal with my ways so he could establish his ways. And out of the hospital experience, I came out with one phrase. Get people to follow Jesus. And we've been trying to do that for 30 or 40 years now. That is our main goal. That has been, that's the heart of God. God wants you to humble yourself, be humiliated by him so that you can come to the place of victory. And sometimes we become so passive. God can't do anything. So what's he saying to us through all of this? I know what he's doing. He's stirring you up to contend for Winona's healing. He is stirring. Why is he stirring you up? Well, for Winona's healing. That's true, but it's more than that. He's actually stirring you up to walk in victory all the time. To expect what he said to become our reality. So I believe God wants, we've come on to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. Do you know what Zion means? Zion means the place from where something is established and flows out of. So here's the disciples walking this earth with Jesus. And Jesus is obeying the Holy Spirit. And out of Zion, Jesus receives his instructions from the Father, and he succeeds in all that he had to do and fulfill. That's number one. Number two, he actually humbled himself, and he said these words, I have come to do the will of my Father. And so he lives life, but when he came to the garden, there was a crucial point where he had something else to surrender he already declared he was doing the will of the Father, but there was something else that he had to surrender, and that was to death. And he said these words, not my will, but your will be done. And at that point, Jesus did not have a self-will. He was left with what the scripture said. And that was this. In the volume of the book, it's written of me. To do thy will. The word of God became his reality. The word of God 
in the volume of the book, the whole Old Testament was about Jesus. And I could just hear the conversation in heaven. Son, I want you to go down to that earth and destroy the works of the devil. That's why he was manifested. We are called to heal the sick, cast out devils, cleanse the leper. We are called to destroy the works of the devil. We have to contend for that. We're not going to allow the works of the devil to prevail because we are contenders and we're in to win this fight. And I think we need to have a fighting attitude, an intolerant attitude. And like one preacher says, I told the devil to go to hell. That's where he comes, that's where he is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you see, we're here to, he's already defeated. Don't get me wrong. We're here to destroy his works. Every disappointment, every failure, every, every depression, every regret, every sorrow, every sickness, every disease. We have been called to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus said, go out and heal the sick. Cast out devils. Do you know why we could do it? Because the strong man entered into his house and destroyed his authority and took away his weapons. This is, this is a day that's planned by God. We are here today. He knows we're here. And he knows why we're here. We are here to worship, hear the word, fellowship. But we are here to destroy the works of the devil. We have to be intolerant. Intolerant has two ways. In a, in, a, in a negative way, if you're intolerant, they'll call you a bigot. I just tell them to dig it. No, we're here representing God. We're here to fulfill what he said. We have to begin to allow his word to sit so deep in us that it becomes a natural way of life to live. And so I'm sure Jesus spoke to Satan in heaven when he fell. He contended against the Father, and guess what? He got booted out. He goes to the garden, and he brings evil into the world, and God meets him down there and sentences him. He destroyed the works. He destroyed the world and brought it into this realm through a woman, and through a woman, he was going to be destroyed. And so Mary becomes the woman. 
And then Jesus in the wilderness contended with Satan, and Satan tried to tempt Jesus with the same temptation that he gave Adam and Eve, and Jesus just quoted the word. He just quoted the word. He didn't spend time talking to him. But I'll tell you what Michael the archangel said. Right, Lise? Was it Michael? Yeah, I keep getting them guys mixed up. Michael was the warrior. And he was contending with Satan over the body of, G of Moses. And it says he dared not bring an accusation against the devil. You know what? That doesn't work. But here's what worked. He said, the Lord rebuke you. He went straight to the king. Because he was under the authority of the king. And Satan lost. Then Jesus meets him down in Hades when he goes down to get the keys. And there, and there, when he took the keys, he took all of his armor away from him. His pistols were gone. His arrows, broken. His bow, useless. Jesus says, I got the keys. I got the keys of death and hell. You know why? Because God wouldn't tolerate Satan having them. So, it's like, okay, so, so how do we get there? I only know one way. Be passionate for the Holy Spirit and the Word. I had to learn to forget what I believed. And his word says this. I sent the Holy Spirit to lead you. I sent the Holy Spirit to comfort you. I sent the Holy Spirit to teach you. If you submit to the Holy Spirit, you'll submit to the best school in the whole world. Because he can teach you how and when. And so for the years we saw in Japan, Costa Rica, different countries of the world, we saw how the Holy Spirit would just move. I was listening to Catherine Kuhlman yesterday. That woman amazes me. Winona was healed in her meeting at the Coliseum in Vancouver. She had plantar warts. And so me, my mom, and Winona went to the meeting. I was an usher. And I don't know how I became an usher. <laughs> to this day, I can't remember. But anyway, Winona and Mom are sitting way up in the bleachers. No prayer request. Not, not even looking for healing or anything. And it's like, it's like 
we get home. Next day, mom says, "We well, don't want to come here. She's going to phone the doctor. She's going to look. And they were gone. She didn't even know she was healed. How come? I'll tell you why. Because Catherine Kuhlman was submitted to the Holy Spirit's work. And she said this yesterday. She said, I stand and watch the Holy Spirit work. I see the Holy Spirit people bringing people out of the wheelchairs. She doesn't even touch them. We have come unto Mount Zion, the city of the living God. We are in the presence of living God who has the life. He has the power. He has the authority. He is the creator of all things. And he said, I have established my throne on the heavens and it rules over all. We have to, bring, we have to get a conviction that God is not here to compromise. He is not somehow tolerating my stupid belief system because he wouldn't listen to me. He wouldn't let anything I wanted to do happen. Yeah. You know what? I have two bachelors of theology. He goes, nah. It wouldn't work, folks. We're here because I surrender to him. We will help people follow you. We will encourage people to follow you. We will encourage people to believe what you said, that they could do what you said they could do. That's the heart of our, that's our heart. Because it's God's heart for his house. And I'll tell you where we're going. We have come unto Mount Zion, the city of the living God. That's where we are. We're living in a city called Zion. And the Bible says that in the last days, out of Zion shall go forth the law. And out of Jerusalem, the word of the Lord. We've, un we've come unto Mount Zion, the city of the living God. We've come unto Jerusalem, it says in Hebrews. The spiritual Zion and the spiritual Jerusalem. Out of the spirit of Zion and Jerusalem goes forth the law and the word. And the law means instructions. Now just think of this. Jesus Walk this earth with the instructions out of Zion. And, he, and the disciples walked with him with the instructions out of Zion. They became familiar with the instructions out of Zion. And when Jesus died and rose again, and on the 50th day, the Holy Spirit descended, 
and the kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. Romans. The kingdom of God came upon them and they turned the world upside down. We're in, we, we've come onto Mount Zion, the place of instructions. Oh, I know. I'm interfering with some of your eschatology. But when it says we've come unto Mount Zion, it means we came unto Mount Zion. Argue with God about that, not me. But he says what, Mount Z- what will come out of Mount Zion. And what happened was the disciples got instructions from Mount Zion where they were residents. And the word went out of Jerusalem to the whole world. Humiliation is the step of neediness. So the father said to the son, son, you got to set aside your throne. You're going to leave here and you're going to become, you're going to take on the form of man. That was humiliating. But he was willing to go through the humiliation to destroy the works of the devil. Noah was humiliated for 120 years. Moses was humiliated. Anybody who did anything great in the kingdom of God were humiliated to the point where they saw they could do nothing unless God. And there became a total dependence on God. Whoops, I got four zeros. So we're offline now? Okay, I can carry on then. What I feel in my spirit is this. God is looking for a people who will humble themselves and come before the throne and stop making excuses and start believing what he said. Whenever you say, well, I don't know, that's true, you don't know. But stop saying it because he says, I know what you should know. So know what I know. And don't say I don't know. If you know what God knows, don't say I don't know. The instruction that Jesus gave the disciples was not a suggestion, folks. It was a command. He says, I command you to go and tell them about how the king can rule in their situation. Preach the kingdom. I am commanding you to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, and cleanse the leper. I'm commanding you to do it. Well, I don't know if I'm called.
That's not kingdom thinking. Kingdom thinking is Jesus said, this is what I want you to do. Bottom line. Now, what I encourage you to do this. Come before God and humble yourself. And give up your own will. And I'm going to say this. Give up what you believe to. Because it interferes. And that's going to be hard for some of you to do. But I've had to surrender all my, my, my degrees. They mean nothing. They mean nothing. All that I learned has not done what the Holy Spirit could do through my life. Catherine Kuhlman was a, from Bolivia, no education. She was speaking at the Oral Roberts University graduation. <clears throat> and she talked about her personal testimony. And that woman is so in love with the Holy Spirit, that's all she could talk about. I love the Holy Spirit. She says, and I don't want to, I don't want to offend him. I know that all that I do depends on him. It's really, it's really humbling to watch her. <clears throat> because she just stands there. And honors the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit just heals and out of the wheelchair. And so forth. So. And you say, well, that was Catherine Coleman. No, that was God. That was God. And she was asking these students if they're willing to sacrifice their life to be totally yielded to the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. That was her message. And I find, every, I, I listen to her about three times a year just to bring me into, wow. And I believe God wants us as a body to become those who expect what he said to actually happen. And he is stirring us and he's saying, I want you to contend for what I have said. <clears throat> you contend for what I said. If you contend for what he said, he will stand behind what he said. And he will do what he said. And you'll be part of what he said. And you'll be part of what he's doing. And, I, and God is looking for a people. You know, it, only took, it only took 12 people to turn the city of Jerusalem upside down. And he is looking for a church that will rise up and say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Baptize me with the Holy Ghost and power. Let the Holy Spirit take over my life. Let the Holy Spirit come upon me like it came on you at your water baptism and took over your whole being and took you into the wilderness and you were tempted and you were tried, but you came out full of the Holy Ghost. 
That is humiliation. I'm just, I'm just really stirred about this. It's like God, stir us. Stir us. He is shaking us right now. Pay attention to what he's telling you to let go. He wants you to let go what you can't do. And he wants you to get into what he can do. Amen? Hallelujah. How many of you game for God come? Cause us to be those who will walk in the miracles and the power and be convinced in our hearts that what you said is for my life. Now. Glory to God. So the Father said to these Christians, I want you to earnestly contend. Be earnest to contend for what I have said because I'm committed to what I've said. Contend for it and it'll happen. Amen.